0: One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number. Welcome to Three Associated, a podcast that goes behind the door of therapists working in a relational psychoanalytic model. I'm Andrew.
1: And I'm Rachel. We're both therapists.
0: And we're both supervisees of Jill.
2: And I'm Jill supervisor and therapist, and co-author with Jackie Winship of the book The Talking Cure.
1: While people might think that therapists have it all together, we don't. We get stuck, experience challenges, and have blind spots.
0: All of this affects our work, and this is where relational psychoanalytic supervision comes in. In this podcast, we will
2: take you behind the closed doors of supervision, where we focus on the blind spots of the therapists to ascertain how factors outside of their awareness impacts their work and their ability to help their patients.
1: In each episode, we explore a relational dilemma arising in the context of working with a fictitious patient.
0: While none of these patients are real, the relational dynamics are...
1: Episode four, twinning isn't always winning. Have you ever had a patient, and you think if we met under different circumstances, we'd definitely be friends? Sure. That doesn't have to be anti-therapeutic, right?
0: Well,
1: mm. oh, Joe, I'm, I'm noticing feeling that I'm feeling a bit of guilt about this patient, um, and I know. Uh, that you know and I know that I kind of struggle with guilt. Um, and I promise you, I, I am working on this in my own analysis. Um, but I actually feel like this, uh, this is like a different flavour of guilt though. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been working with this woman for about three years now, um, but on and off um, as we've had a few breaks um, due to maternity leave, both hers and mine. Um and she came to see me initially because she wanted to develop more self-awareness, or as she put it, self-improvement.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, she wanted to understand herself more, develop self-reflection, uh, you know, and I and I have a lot of respect for that. Um she's a couple of years younger than me and we've actually uh we actually have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. Um she's seen me through my second pregnancy and I've seen her through her second. Um because she's currently pregnant now Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um so she knows i have kids um and she's she's actually seen me out of context at the farmers markets on the weekends near where we live because she lives in a neighboring suburb um so i kind of feel like that might be in the mix as well um and i i get the feeling that there's this kind of twinship transference occurring within our relationship And another twinning feature uh, is that uh, we both really enjoy fashion Mm -hmm. and we have the same style of dress Uh, and she'll often compliment me on my skirt or my boots or uh, she'll wear something that I own or or vice versa. and I don't really want to admit this to you, Jill, um, or I don't even really want to admit this to myself. Um, mm-hmm. But I do often think more about what I wear uh, on the days that I'm seeing her. Um, and I, I, I feel a bit guilty about that because I kind of feel like that's sort of meaningful. Um, and I think there's also the guilt is centred around the fact that I really enjoy our sessions and Mm -hmm. i get the feeling that she really does too um well you know i can see that she does um and sometimes i think to myself that uh you know am i really helping her or you know should i be trying to um say something or you know that might sort of either draw our attention to the fact that things are really nice or should should there be more conflict in the room or, you know, um, you know, wondering sort of why that might not be the case, you know. And I have this image of, you know, the psychoanalytic gods looking down on me, disapproving of me because it's all just um, a bit too fun, you know.
2: Um, Yeah. So are you caught in the dynamic of no pain, no gain, Rach, when you say it's too much fun, as if nothing could come out of the positive?
1: Yeah, I, I am. Like, is, is, this, is this really, you know, I, okay, so there's, there's also something about her, which is that um, she comes fortnightly, and there's something about the fortnightly session that sort of um, puts us in the realm of catch-up, and so I have this hmm. kind of feeling like, is this any different to how she might talk to a friend or something? You know, it's sort of affirming and nice, but am I, am I helping her or sort of what, what's, what,
2: what's... Okay, so let me ask you some generic questions. Let me ask you this. What do you understand by twinship? Because you're saying to me I'm in a twinship with her. It's a twinship transference. What do you understand by a twinship transference?
1: Well, that there's sort of this um, this transference between, between us where uh, maybe she's trying to be more similar to me and, uh, you know, transference from my uh, and is that sort of why I'm enjoying the similar sort of thing. And, it, yeah, thinking about sort of what I'm wearing mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. sort of me Yeah, part of me wanting to be similar to her, do you know?
2: Okay, so the twinship is based on similarity, which I agree, and no problem with that, and no problem either with the fact that there's positive affect and enjoyable, provided that the negative can also come into the space or difference can come into the space. Mm. And I'm wondering whether you're feeling guilty because difference isn't coming into the space.
1: Yeah, no, that's it. And
2: I'm also wondering about the fact that she came thinking that she wanted to be engaged in self-awareness and self-improvement. And I'm wondering, okay, what is the aspect of herself that she wants to improve? Mm. And do you feel that you have been promoting self-awareness, which was her stated goal, Mm. or has it slipped more into promoting sameness and enjoying the twinship? which might be why you're feeling that, you know, the gods of psychoanalysis that might be promoting the idea of self-awareness might be unhappy. true. that's
1: true. And
2: the guilt is that you're not helping her with her aspirational Mm. self, which is a more self-aware one.
1: That's true. And it's kind of interesting because she kind of came saying that that's what she wanted, but then... Yeah, neither of us has sort of picked that up and, and, and moved forward with it. Um.
2: Okay, so what do you think in you would lead you to continue more down the path of sameness and less down the path of difference? And what do you think there is in her that would also perhaps prefer to stay where she is at the level of self-awareness that she came with rather than deepening it.
1: Mm-hmm. I sort of think, um, you know, when I think about um, times where I will, I might ask her something like, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, uh, she might bring sort of a, a conversation or an argument that she's had with her partner, do you know, uh, you know mm-hmm. he said this, she said this, da, 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 and, you know, I've I've asked her, oh, you know, what do you think was going through his mind,
2: you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and
1: she'll sort of say, oh, I don't really know, and, and you know, gloss over it, you know, and
2: sort mm-hmm, of direct
1: mm-hmm. us away. Um, and I I guess I just go with that gloss, mm-hmm. do you know. So it sort of is an opportunity for self-awareness or at least more awareness of
2: what's So what you're saying is that when you actually ask her to think... Mm. Because you're asking her in that moment to mentalise, to think about, okay, you're having an argument with your partner and then you're asking her to think about what the partner's perspective Mm. might be to expand her thoughts about what is happening in the room with him. Mm. She sort of gives you an indication of, I don't know and I'm not kind of interested, even though she originally said, yes, I am interested. And you then actually simply go along with it and you gloss over Mm. the fact that she's rejected your invitation, if you like. Mm. And I would say that there's possibly some loss for you of the twinship if you don't go along with the gloss because if you sort of insist a bit,
1: Mm.
2: you're introducing something a bit prickly yeah into it and
1: that's interesting that you say the word prickly gel because I've also had this image of you know the Schopenhauer's porcupines with Mm -hmm. the porcupines sort of coming together and then moving away uh, you know there's like this comfortable distance we don't want to get too close and then this uh, you know the um yeah this thing about sort of the on and off you know thing within our relationship and you know, she comes fortnightly, that's like in there as well, which is sort of this distance, you know, that's
2: occurring. Well, it's so interesting because everything you're talking about consciously is about how close you are. Your clothes are the same, you go to the same farmer's market, you have children at the same time. Yet the image that comes into your reverie is the porcupine. And so I'm wondering whether what is actually happening and where the guilt is is, is that a more superficial closeness is replacing the closeness that comes from the exploration at a deeper level Mm. where there might also not always be the sameness but maybe a different perspective or a different way of actually thinking about things Mm. and you do then gloss over when she actually rejects the invitation, and I'm using the word deliberately, so you don't take in, actually, this is a rejection of my invitation. Mm. You simply flow with it. That's right. And I wonder what would happen if you were to actually say to her, well, you know, um, you're saying that you don't know what your partner might be thinking. I think it might be valuable for us to dwell a little bit there and try to perhaps imagine what he might be thinking. Um, But I'm not sure that you would find find it valuable. So I find it valuable, but I'm not sure you would. Mm -hmm. So either way then, you're either going to then try to think more deeply or a difference between you has to be owned. (sighs) Yes. And both those things seem to be avoided, either the difference between you or the delving deeper. So there's something I feel about not just ignoring the rejection of your invitation.
1: That's really interesting because, yeah, that would then put her in a position where she would either have to say that she doesn't agree with me or that it, there, there isn't something there which would bring about a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or we would then be going going a bit deeper in terms of Uh, you know, towards self-improvement, huh, or self-reflection or mentalizing, you know, thinking about what he might be thinking.
2: Yeah, either you'd have to deal with this Mm. issue of difference, which is avoided, or you're going to delve deeper, which is what she said she wanted to do. Mm. (coughs) Sorry. When she first came... (coughs) Sorry. But what I find interesting, Rach, is that you gloss over any registration of the fact that she's brushed you off.
1: That's true. Right? So I'm
2: wondering what it is in you that feels resistant to registering the brush off and and trying to use that information and act on it. So I'm curious about that, about whether you're afraid that if you try to highlight the difference, instead of twinning that and there might be be a splitting of the atom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think I am bringing that in. Hmm. I think that that is something that I'm probably bringing, that there is a fear that if there's difference and then, yeah, there might be a split, there might be a rupture, it might not feel so enjoyable, you know. And that's, yeah, probably why I'm feeling guilty because that's really not my job, you know, to avoid that stuff, is it, huh?
2: Well, yeah, and that might be why you're feeling guilty because there's something more enjoyable to think about. Well, I'll put on these clothes and then my patient will actually affirm me and I'll affirm her, but perhaps the psychoanalytic gods might frown on (laughs) it. Not so much because... (laughs) It's positive, and you're in the positive affect, but Mm. because of what's being avoided, which Mm. is the deepening of her self-awareness, which she came for, Mm. and maybe being able to navigate difference because the partner's got a different viewpoint, and she doesn't even at that moment in time want to be curious about it. Mm. And then you're fearful of registering Mm. the fact that actually she's brushing off the invitation That's and right. you then gloss over it in order to avoid the loss.
1: It's glossing over it, but, it, it, you know, I think the other thing is is that I actually, um, you know, I like analysing things and I sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. going going a bit deeper and... Um,
2: and so okay, so how do you understand it then? Because you...
1: Why do I give why do I give that up in that moment yes. I'm giving I'm giving up something that I would normally be drawn to to sort of just move with her, you know um, correct. Mm. Um, but it, but I think that it, it is it's around that splitting. do you know? I think it's around sort of enjoying the sameness at the cost of something that I also enjoy, you know.
2: I think it's the splitting and the fear of that, but I also think that at a more hidden level, it's not only a twinship, but it's an erotic transference, counter-transference, a homophilic one that Mm. perhaps both of you are uh, enjoying because it's not going to be something that's enacted or something that, but there is something about enjoying one another's attractiveness. Mm. And so to go to perhaps the more analytical the using of your mind, then the focus goes away from the appearances <laughs> and being two attractive women together. Mm. So I think it's both the fear of the rupture, but also there's something about the loss of the mirror that yeah. you're mirroring each other in a particular way. Yeah. And so you allow that restriction to come into the room of what can or cannot be explored because, you know, you've mentioned guilt several times. I think you do somehow know that you're selling the patient short Mm. and you're selling yourself short Mm. by staying in this particular configuration, enjoyable as it is, and I'm not saying that something positive hasn't flowed from it, but…
1: More could flow from it. Exactly. Much more could flow from it, yeah.
2: From if the connection. I, that's yes.
1: right. I, I give up something, but we gain much more, you know.
2: Well, that's potentially what we're trying to think about mm. together. Just take a minute and think about, okay, how are you right in this moment in the supervision range?
1: Well, I think that, yeah, when I first talked about this, this guilt, you know, I think when I said that it was a different flavor of guilt, I, I think what I meant is that it's justified. <laughs>
2: you know? Yes, yes. Um,
1: so I am glad that I have brought this up, you know.
2: Um, so it's something about allowing yourself to be seduced by the pleasure of resonating with another attractive woman, and she's also seduced by the pleasure of resonating with somebody who she finds attractive, and you enjoying womanly things together, <laughs> babies, and you know, cooking from the market. Or, yeah, um, but something about What is going wrong actually outside of the world of the two women with the man in her life where it seems as though she does bring in conflict Mm. but then doesn't want to go to explore Mm. what that conflict is about and try to think about it in terms of his perspective, her perspective, but rather comes back to being in the the twinship.
1: Mm. And
2: there's something in you that then…
1: Goes with that
2: goes with it. Mm -hmm. And I guess, yeah, that's what we're thinking about. A, the loss of something, Mm -hmm. um, but B, also then the fear that something will happen which will be um, conflictual, that the twinning will go to splitting, which is no indication that it would. No. So it's possible that that's
1: yeah, but that's why I like your intervention around sort of say, asking her, um, and also inviting difference in a way by saying, well, you, you know, you might sort of not agree with me here, and that you know that sort of um, it's bringing it into the room and into the the relationship, um, but it's also. Um, of acknowledging or just sort of
2: normalizing it, I I guess. Yeah, well it's an intervention that is opening up something either whichever way she goes, either there's an agreement that we're going to try and explore something and think about the partner's perspective, Mm. or actually, no, I don't agree with you, and then let's just think about the fact that we might have a different perspective of where we should be going in this room. And it also allows one to say, yes, but in another mind space, you did want to go to self-awareness. So what's actually happened to that? Yeah. So it allows something to come together in a different way. But for fear of being in a parallel process range, and (laughs) we write at the end of our session, um, you know, you might have some differences with how I'm approaching it. So feel free to say it. But if you are in agreement, well, then that's fine too.
1: No, I am because I think that it's clear to me that what I need to sort of go in now and do is um, move more towards differences or at least Mm. let there be an opportunity for difference. Mm. Um, And I think just holding that in my mind frees me up and will free Mm. the relationship up um, to do... To do some more analytic work, really.
2: To take back ownership of your analytic capacity Mm. and let her take back ownership of the self that wants to develop the awareness. And
1: the improvement. Yeah.
2: Yeah. All right, so maybe we leave it there for today.
1: Thanks, Jill.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: In this next part of the episode, we reflect together on what happened in the session. We identified the dilemma we took into the supervision session and then the blind spots that emerged.
0: Blind spots include bright spots and dark spots. A bright spot is when we are blinded to the overall picture and can only see a sliver of what is occurring in ourselves and in the interaction. A dark spot is when the issues are more completely out of sight.
1: We finish by reflecting on what we distilled from the session and then move on to teaching points.
0: So Rach, what was the dilemma for you?
1: Okay, so the dilemma going in was that I worried that I liked her too much and I knew that I felt some guilt about that and to be honest, I, I think I was hoping that Jill might exonerate me uh, and my guilty feeling.
0: <laughs> You'll be let off the hook.
1: I, I did. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So,
2: I fear I disappointed
1: you. Did disappoint. (laughs) I did, and yes,
2: you did.
0: (laughs) So, in terms of the blind spots, Jill, what was the bright spot?
2: Well, I think Rachel forgive me for saying this, (laughs) but I really do think they were blinded by the glorious reflection in the mirror (laughs) and the enjoyment of mutual admiration and twinning, Mm -hmm. which is in itself not negative, it's only if that's all that can be in the room. And I felt that they were blinded by that. And then other aspects that the patient had originally come for somehow were disavowed and bracketed out of their contact. Mm-hmm. So that's what I thought, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's the dark spot that's well, well? No, that's the bright confused.
2: spot. That's the bright spot. Bright. Bright. Yep. Okay. So the dark spot. Okay, I think the dark spot was that underneath that enjoyment of the similarity, I think that there was a fear, really, of the difference. And I think that that came out with the image of the porcupine, very much so, because, as we said in the supervision, all of it was about similarity, but the image is about something really, really prickly. So I suspect that there was a fear in you, Rach, about going to the difference, that Mm -hmm. it might lead to something difficult for you, but also maybe something difficult for the patient, that the patient also didn't want to lean into difference. And you might have been picking that up. So I think that... Uh, there was a dissociative aspect in you around the fear of difference and maybe a dissociative aspect in her around the fear of difference, which would have led to the enactment of an impasse, which is what you're complaining about, or not complaining, that's the wrong word, but yes, complaining, and in a good way complaining, because mm-hmm. you're feeling that you're stuck. And in in fact, I, I think that the two of you are. So that's what I see, the fear Mm-hmm. on
0: both sides
1: the stuckness in the mm-hmm. the coasting in the counter-transparency yes something like that i mm-hmm. think
0: mm-hmm. and what are you taking away from this session rachel
1: okay I, uh what i'm taking away is that it's okay to be similar so long as it's also okay to be different and one of the ways that i am different to her is that i do uh, value deeper reflection and insight into my mind and others minds and yeah I didn't bring this into the relationship even though I did believe that it would be helpful um because yeah I was I was basking in the glow of the similarities or, or as, as Jill put it in 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 the reflection in the mirror <laughs> yeah
0: anything that you'd like to add Sure.
2: I think I would, because I think that in the supervision, we focused on how the libidinal or the enjoyment aspect actually kept something stuck, and I think that that was fair enough. But I really, on reflection, think that underneath that, within you, Rach, there's perhaps a deeper-seated fear of difference. I think you really mm-hmm. don't like sometimes to engage the difference in case it becomes edgy or problematic Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things I thought that we didn't focus on your fear of difference because Mm -hmm. it wasn't close to the surface in the supervision. But the other thing I did think was closer to the surface and again implicates the notion of the third, I felt that you and she might have certain agreements around the frustrations and difficulties of partners (laughs) and there was a collusion around all the difference being in the partners out there and all the similarities being in the relationship with her and there was a kind of hidden binary. So that was a a thought that I I had subsequent to the supervision.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know why you would think that, Uh Yes. Once again, that is true.
0: So, Rach, what were your learning points from this session?
1: Um, I think the first one would be uh, that I was we were coasting in the counter transference Um, as much as I was hoping that wasn't the case. uh, I I came to understand it really was the case. (laughs) and I learned how again and again, I do the same thing out of my fear that highlighting difference will bring about loss. And though I do know this intellectually, that's different to being able to able to inhabit the knowledge um, and to face into my fear of loss.
0: Uh-huh. So the idea of coasting in the transference is the first point and avoiding highlighting difference in order to avoid leaning into the fear of loss. That's the second point,
1: yeah, yeah, that's
0: it. cool. And Jill, the teaching
2: points for you from the session? Well, I think it was a good illustration of an impasse or a stuck point that came about because of the coasting and the counter transference. And also, just to add to that, that uh, an idea of an impasse is an interrelational idea of what Freud might have seen intrapsychically as a resistance because he wasn't looking at it between the two. But nevertheless, he did see the erotic transference as a resistance, and I think it was, in this case, present in the transference-countertransference matrix. And I want to stress that the erotic transference is not a problem, uh, as long as one's actually aware of
0: it and how it's impacting the work.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So the idea of impasse, both in terms of coasting in the counter-transference, and also in relation to uh, the interpersonal erotic transference, countertransference, transference, matrix. <laughs> Indeed, yes. And Rach, any final thoughts from you?
1: Yeah, I'm wondering, Jill, if we go back to the patient now, um, what, what do you think may have been happening for her that she kept coming back even though her stated agenda of self actualization was essentially off the table?
2: Well, I think it's a lovely illustration of the fact that all of us go into therapy with a conscious agenda, but we also have an unconscious agenda. I don't know, and we can't know what it was, but it did feel to me that she was actualizing something important about her image of herself as a woman in her identification with you, and there seemed to be something very positive about that. And um, I do think, though, that where the resistance came for both of you was to move out of that identification which is a two-person circumstance into exploring other dynamics and moving toward the three and that brings us back of course to the fact that we are three associating
0: you have been listening to three associating a podcast on relational psychoanalytic supervision with jill rachel and myself Andy.
1: See you next time.